It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to the Talent Talk Radio Show. And joining me as I uh, talk to some great guests today we have lined up. Uh, you know, I personally have met a lot of these inspiring leaders and have attended you know, different groups or spoken to different groups or maybe had the privilege of sitting in an audience and hearing some of these people even speak. So really this, is, this show is kind of designed around the idea of you know, we find someone who's uh, particularly interesting or has something great to say. What if we had our own conversation? What if we sort of one-on-one talked about some of these things and went a little bit deeper? And, you know, this forum allows you to listen in on our dialogue and what we're talking about and even interact with us uh, on Twitter. So, you know, this show appears uh, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But most of you actually come in later on on the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app. Over 300,000 of you came in last week and downloaded or listened to one of those podcasts or iHeart feeds. So big thank you to everyone who's tuning in uh, and listening. But you can listen live just in case you are interested or maybe if you're bored at work, you can uh, tune in and, and, and do that instead. So if you have a question for one of my guests, don't forget you can submit them via Twitter. Uh, we love getting your feedback, your questions, your guest suggestions, all of that. Um, just go on to Twitter, type it in, and use that hashtag Talent Talk. My producer Mike can feed me any questions that might be relevant for today's show, and of course, we'll take all your suggestions on an ongoing basis. Uh, my guest today, uh, Carrie, uh, I'm going to try my best here with her last name, uh, Gas Yurowski, the VP of HR for uh, Park Home, Park Square Homes, and then Ryan Naylor, the founder and CEO of LocalWork.com, will join me in the second half of the show, but. Let's go ahead and get to, uh, over to Carrie and see if I was able to say her name remotely close. So, Carrie, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, thank you. And you did a great job for a first-time try, I'll have to say. All right. That, that's sort of like saying, well, you didn't screw it up too bad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> yeah. So tell us someone about yourself, uh, what you're doing over at Park, Home, Park Square Homes, and uh, you know, just what, what's, what, what's good to know about you. Absolutely. My name is Carrie Gazarowski. I am married to a wonderful man named Bart, who is an executive vice president for InfoGuard Security, which is a cybersecurity staffing firm. Blessed to be a mom of a two-year-old boy and another baby on the way in about six weeks. Um, I was born and raised right here in Orlando, Florida. And while I know this is a show about talent, I just have to add that we're really heartbroken in our town about this weekend's events. Um, it's been a really sad week, but we're strong, and the, and the city beautiful is wrapping its arms around the families that... Uh, uh, fortunately, have had the fall in here, and I couldn't be more proud to call this place home. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, and absolutely, our our thoughts are out to everyone in in the city, and specifically those who were affected by the tragedy. And 
certainly be topical for anyone living uh, listening to the show live or within the, you know the next few weeks um definitely uh on our mind so uh, if we talk a little bit about what you're doing um you know as the vp of hr you're obviously in charge of overseeing the entire strategic picture of the hr function so you know when you stepped into this role what was your biggest fear as a leader you know kind of from that you know concept of being a strategic manager of talent I don't know that I necessarily would say I had any fears about this particular role or in other roles I've had in the past when it comes to strategic HR leadership. You know, there has been a real personal, quote, challenge or fear of mine after I became a working mom, but I think that's every mom's physical, mental, and emotional challenge. At the time where I made that transition after having my son, I started a support group to help me and others find out how to be the best career and woman and mother possible, which is a very, very big plate to balance. So since joining Park Square, regarding them specifically, the challenges that I would face in a career standpoint or, or again, I don't know that I'd use the word fear, but just those, those items that I know I was facing mainly was that we were a family-owned business with a deep history in the Orlando market. And when I met with them about this role, I learned that they had strategic HR functions many, many years ago, but it had been almost a decade since someone was in my role. Uh, The company had been around for 32 years at the point in which I joined, and so I knew I was stepping into a situation where I was responsible for building a function from the ground up, and that is also why I chose to work with them. Um, So although it was the biggest challenge, it's also why I, I chose to go there to begin with. I really love their story, but more than that, I'm incredibly passionate about building an HR function within small to mid-sized businesses. It's a very long and unpaved road when it comes to conducting an HR needs analysis, determining what priorities are needed to protect the company from a risk standpoint, but simultaneously focusing on cultural building items like organizational design and talent development. Personally, I I know I'm a person that wants to do it all at once. So it's a challenge for me to keep in mind that a company can only digest so much at one time. So the way I approach it is going into the first year making necessary changes, but also balancing that with the changes that the employee base can see um, that might be visibly fun. Um, And then also executing somewhat of a branding campaign for the function, because most people either don't like HR or fear HR being the police of the workforce. So I'm determined to demonstrate there was so much more than that as an HR strategic function. Um, And then the last priority is finding what the senior leadership needs most and partnering with them to demonstrate the value of not only the function but myself. One of the the questions that was asked when I first joined Park Square is, we've been doing fine. We're a wonderful company. We have a great culture. Why do we need you and why do we need this function? So I knew going into it that it was a road that I would be traveling to help them understand what the value of this function is. And I couldn't have done that without the support of the leadership along the way. Well, it sounds like you've tackled quite a few uh, pretty, you know, high-level strategic things, brought in, uh, you know, kind of a more sophisticated, a higher-level approach to, you know, what the company was doing. It sounds like the only real challenge you have coming up here might be uh, sleep deprivation with you being six yeah. weeks out. So that might be uh, what you have left to do is get your sleep in now while you can. That's true. <laughs> I have about six weeks to log it in. So maybe as a part of your change leadership role within the company kind of touched on a little bit what's what sort of things whether it's you know culture based or recruiting based or other areas that you had to work on to bring about you know sort of some you know, new or positive changes in the organization and you know, maybe what were they and, and how did you make them happen 
usually start with a little bit more of a broad-based approach. I have what I call my HR pillars, and these are the fundamental areas that encompass all HR and all that HR has to offer. It includes talent acquisition, learning and development, performance management, comp and benefits, management development and succession planning, employee relations and communications, and organizational design. Each pillar, in my view, has half a dozen or more specific HR items underneath that umbrella. For example, talent acquisition might have sourcing, selection, diversity, onboarding, orientation, workforce planning, etc. When I came into Park Square, I saw it as my mission to assess as quickly as possible what they had that was working really well for them, what they had that could use a little bit of work, and what their voids or gaps blatantly were. I also looked at what the low-hanging fruit might be and then the items of biggest value to their specific needs. So once I completed that analysis, I had a better roadmap to get us where I believe we ideally needed to be. I'm very intense in my approach and passionate about what I do, as I said, so I tend to want to do it all at once, and we hit the ground running at lightning speed. And what I realized somewhere around four months in is that the desire to accomplish so many HRS goals, I was actually doing it at the expense of the function providing value to the employees. So they were seeing so many changes that were HR-related, one right after another, ones that in my HR brain I thought were, were amazing, and we were doing such a good job crossing things off of our plan and our agenda, like we standardized performance management, compensation, employee status audits, we created a handbook, we formalized how we onboarded new employees, all within the first few months. And these were wonderful aspects of the employee base. It seemed like HR was just spraying a fire hose of stuff all over them. And at some point, I had to sit down and discuss with the management team that I thought it really was in our best interest to slow down some of our implementation and focus on cultural items more so than the others, such as employer branding, engagement, change management, communication. We even started planning awesome activities like health initiatives, such as yoga on Fridays. We took our office members to the field to visit our communities. We um, had a field day where what we called it our extreme challenge, which is like an office team building day, and we really focused on that part of the business instead of so many other tactical HR pieces. And since that shift, I've also had a little bit more time to build meaningful relationships with the management team, which I think is critical to understand their needs and how I can best support their agendas, even, even more so than the HR agenda I originally came in with. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that was sort of how I approached the engagement there so far and what we've been up to. Well, I think it does, and, and you started to segue uh, very well here into the, well, sort of the next question, which is around culture. I mean, you, you kind of started to talk about there about the need to focus on that. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they talk about culture, and they sometimes think it's about really the way people get along or whether or not the company has a solid, you know, work-life environment. But mm-hmm. I think there could be some really mu- much deeper sort of uh, pillars or, or concepts that, that go into that. Um, you know, for us at my company, it's a lot about being transparent. Um, it's about being able to learn from our mistakes. And, you know, it's about the way we recognize each other in a positive way. So there's some other kind of deeper things. Maybe what is sure. it about the culture or what's it like at, at Park Square um, and what do you feel are the, the marks of, of a good culture? We, we at Park Square have a really long history in the community. We're a local builder, and so our product literally is in our backyard, in the backyard of the owners. It's, therefore, also a very small family feel. It's a father-son, grandfather-based um, company where they came from another country, had a dream, and have seen it realized. So that was really appealing to me when I joined Park Square. And when I came actually on board onto the company, 
even on my first day, I walked around and I realized they had the kind of culture that HR leaders would dream of manufacturing for an organization. They had a very genuine, integrity-filled pride in what they did. They truly cared about the quality of the home we built in our community. Um, people were very open, kind, supportive, respectful, fully engaged. Um, I remember walking the halls on my first day. I'd never heard so many coworkers saying, please and thank you. Would you mind helping me? Of course I would. It was just one of those feelings that you get when you walk the, the office that made you feel like home. And I think that is very intentional and also a very successful mark of the owners and, and what they wanted to build as their vision. You know, I think the first two weeks that I was there, we had three or four employee luncheons for the entire office because they treated everybody's birthday and holiday like they would in their own family. Recently, we conducted our first employee engagement survey, and thankfully the employees were honest in what mattered to them. So with that, we have even more insight to what will make the culture better than it already is. Um, so to me, those are the marks of a wonderful place to work, focused on quality, the customer, external and internal being the employees, willing to listen to feedback, be agile in what the employee base needs and perceives as a great place to work, full of respect, celebration, and hard work at that. Well, that sounds great. You guys have a really good approach to it, um, and, and at the same time, are measuring it as well. I mean, that's something a lot of companies don't do is take that time to measure it to make sure they're on the right track, that the employees and the management are saying the same things, and uh, it's super, super important. I, I know you also teach at uh, Rollins College uh, in their graduate school for Master's in, in Human Resources program. Uh, one of the topics you teach on is leadership development. What are, what are some of the things that you want students to know about leadership development? And, but what also what it, what it takes to be an HR leader in today's workplace? If I shared with you everything I wanted my students to know, we would be here all day. <laughs> oh, maybe give me the top one or two then, right? <laughs> the top one or two. I'll give you the top one. I, I think the right. biggest item is learning about their strengths and areas of opportunity and then coming up with a plan to magnify their strengths and then work through what I call their derailers. In my coaching sessions as well as my classes, um, I often talk about how 98% of a leader can be absolutely amazing, but there's 2% that can always stand to be worked on, and many of those areas that make up that 2% are what I call behavioral derailers. They can absolutely, without a doubt, derail a career, notwithstanding the 98% of them that is wonderful. Um, if you look at some major athletes, for example, let's take Lance Armstrong. He blew away his sport with amazing records. He was a leader. He was in so many ways amazing at a skill, but had one or two behavioral derailers that cost him potentially his entire career. If a leader can look deep enough to find what those are and work to improve those areas, then the rest will come. I think as HR professionals, we have a responsibility to continually be working on ourselves as well. Otherwise, I'm not sure how we would have a right or be a guide for others in an organization to develop themselves or their teams if we didn't lead by example. So I always think that, you know, being humble, being willing to admit mistakes, having confidence, yet being vulnerable is critical to our function, as well as to building authentic relationships that it takes to influence an organization. Always do what you would ask others to do, be, be how you want others to be, which can be hard, but it's the most rewarding way to approach a leadership role in our profession, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And so it really, um, you know, it, it can it can be difficult for people to do some of those things and, it, you know, to really focus on strengths. That's kind of where you started that, your response with, um, and to find ways to maximize it, right, to really develop a plan and come up with ways in which you can really make your strengths shine through and, and be a great resource for the company mm -hmm. at, at large. I think very often we try to avoid our 
um, playing to our strengths, and sometimes we, you know, end up just showing everyone our weaknesses um, because we're not mitigating them as, as well. So I think it's a great point that you that you've brought up. You know, when it, maybe if we sort of look at circle back to talent management, um, you know, when it comes to this area um, and sort of, you know, putting in together your uh, advice as well for your your HR students, uh, you know, getting the most out of talented individuals that work for the company, what is it that drives you to make sure that, you know, the goals in, in these areas are achieved and maybe you have some suggestions on how you really get the most out of, uh, of your people? Yeah, actually, it's funny because I really don't have a textbook answer except to say it, it's in my blood to want to do so. I'm deeply passionate about talent being an organizational driver. The most important part of an organization truly is its employees. HR historically, and, and I teach this in my classes as well, it's, it's seen as an administrative function, due diligence, a cost drain, a, a function that makes sure checks were paid and employee files were maintained. And that's not the case in today's world or in the world that I operate in. HR really is a function that can help ma- maximize profit through talent. Um, I'm very big on helping companies and leaders figure out how talent truly is their biggest resource, which includes how they should be treated, trained, and taken care of. And I think if an organization gets this right, they'll see real measurable return on investment from their employee base, which is the mark of a successful HR function. So for me, you know, I think a lot of people think the HR function is happy campers, let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya. But what I would say when it comes to talent management is, is, approach every situation and every strategic plan, um, every HR initiative as you would a business owner and think, what's the return on this investment? Can I measure it? Can I map it to an actual result? And if I can't, don't do it. Um, That's where we move HR from being a fluffy-based organizational function, so to speak, and turn it into a real business driver that increases the value. And is that different then in in how we approach employee engagement or the other parallels there? I think things like our employee engagement program, for example, uh, you know, I I tend to draw the the parallel with how the approach would be. For example, our employee engagement, um, if you have engaged employees, you truly do maximize your talent, efficiencies, potential, uh, your levels of hard work that somebody's willing to provide an organization. You have people that are willing to work harder and longer and smarter for you. And so if you can tap into what the root of their drivers are, you've then looked into an a, a HR scenario where you could get a return. And uh, we're going through this process now where we're looking back at our results from our engagement survey, and it actually ties in with one of the most important things that I think leads to successful employee engagement is communication. That's one of um, the biggest areas that our employees want to see more of, and I think that's probably pretty standard across the board with most organizations. They want to know what's going on. They want to know, you know what is expected of them. They want to know what the direction of the company is. And if you can create campaigns or find tools or resources to put together a plan that helps them become more informed, you will then increase your employee drivers, which increases the amount of work they're willing to give you, which increases your output. So to me, it can all tie in together as one. Sure, absolutely. Well, one of our uh, favorite questions to ask uh, our guests is, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us? Well, considering we're preparing for a new little bundle of joy, I've actually been focused lately on parenting books for little ones. But in saying that, there's an area that has been really fascinating to me in recent times that transcends being a parent as well as being a leader, and it's something called mindfulness. 
Um, there's a ton of books out there about parenting in this method, and I think that if there isn't a book out there for leadership, I need to write one because I think the principles um, actually are very, very much the same. It has to do with operating in the moment, making true connections, being objective and fostering a genuinely connected relationship. It Being mindful sort of forces you to see the situation as it is, see people as they are, not as you want them to be, so you can work with them in a deeper way. And this doesn't mean that we don't have expectations for others or set boundaries. It means that we do so with the utmost empathy and respect for their situation, their emotional state, and their context. And I'm sure, as, as you well know, too, life is full of emotions. And this approach results in creating a balanced, functional, and productive relationship with those all around us. So at home, it may look like, how do I handle a tantrum with my two-year-old? And in the office, it may look like, how do we approach handling a difficult employee situation or a major change or stress to hit our goals? Because there are feelings in life, real emotions in, in, in others. And if we just focus on plowing through it for the end result, we really miss major opportunities to become better people and deepen our relationships along the way. Well, uh, you've mentioned a lot of great things today. If, if I was ask you here to summarize maybe one or two, you know, kind of key things that if someone was listening and on our conversation right now, what, what would you have expected that maybe they should take away? What were the what were the best sound bites that, you know, you think someone should remember? I think it's important to remember that as a strategic HR partner or business owner, entrepreneur, whatever leadership strategic role that you may have that is touching employees and people that work for you, uh, business drivers and results are paramount to creating value in an organization and fulfillment in, in your career. And saying that the most utmost important avenue to accomplish this is the relationships built along the way. I think you do that by being authentic, intentional, and full of purpose for both the accomplishments of the organization and the individual. And if every talent leader, no matter what your title is, could focus on that, we would have a tremendous impact on businesses all around us. Because if you think about our roles, we are in the most unique position any organization has to make a massive impact on the world. And I know that sounds grandiose, but if you think about it, if we could influence one company, one industry, and one employee at a time, we've made a difference. Absolutely. Well, how can uh, people learn more about uh, your company or reach you if they're interested in learning more or wanting to work with you or work for you? What's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. I can be reached on LinkedIn. It's um, my name, Carrie Gazarowski, G-A-S-I-O-R-O-W-S-K-I. Our Park Square website is parksquarehomes.com, and my Working Moms support group can be found on Facebook, Working Moms Work Together. Well, uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Carrie. Uh, really enjoy kind of learning how you guys do things over there and, and your perspectives on engagement and, and leadership development. I'd uh, love to have you come back at some point and give us an update uh, on what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate the invite to be here and talk with you today. All right. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. And our second guest, uh, Ryan Naylor. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. 
with 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers. For over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can visit us on talenttalkradio.com, on iTunes, any podcast app, or on iHeartRadio on any device, any browser. If it's on the Internet, you can find it there. So feel free to check out our past shows and interact with us there. And don't forget to send us uh, any questions you have for our next guest on Twitter by uh, going on there. And if you have room, add the at peopleg 2 but definitely add the hashtag Talent Talk. That's how we'll find the questions and be able to work them into the show. So um, let's go ahead and get to our next guest, uh, Ryan Neeler, the uh, founder and CEO of uh, localwork.com. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chris. Great to be here. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your company, uh, localwork.com. Yeah, located in uh, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, where most of the country is excited for summer. We're, uh, you know, regressing a little bit. We're, we're, (laughs) We're starting to flee away from the south, but... Uh, localwork.com is a, is a platform we started about four and a half, five years ago, really built around helping small to medium-sized businesses attract better qualified talents in proximity to where they are. Well, that's great. And so maybe we can start with uh, the beginning. What maybe what you have appreciated about being an entrepreneur. So sometimes we have people on the show that are really focused from an HR perspective, and sometimes we have people who are entrepreneurs or leaders of organizations. So we just had the HR perspective. Now we're kind of going to dive in, into your mindset here. So maybe we can talk about what you know what it's like being an entrepreneur. Scary. <laughs> That's probably the, uh, <laughs> the first word. No, being an entrepreneur is is definitely something that is challenging and probably one of the things that I like the most is it it keeps you on your toes. There's so many different hats that you have to wear at the same moment. And so, you know, from one moment you can be talking about, you know, you know, the the raw and dirty numbers of the business and keeping things going. And the next minute you're you're working with an employee that, that might be going through a difficult time in their life and you get to bring it down to reality and kind of remember exactly why you do what you do and kind of understand the impact of families that you kind of help support and, and grow with, with your company. Right, absolutely. Well, I know localwork.com helps uh, companies uh, distribute and advertise employment opportunities, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the platform you created and what was the reasoning behind your your desire to create that specific platform. Oh, great. So... I guess my story kind of begins back about four years ago, yeah, having owned a digital marketing agency for for several years. I I loved finding little projects to work on at night while sitting on my couch watching Sports Center reruns over and over again. And and I came across a product that I was really uh, excited about and saw an opportunity online to to optimize for it. So built a website. 
got some keyword inclusion, really focused on kind of how we could start ranking in some of the, you know, Google search terms. And it was a watch. It was a, it was a specific type of product and got really excited about it. Found a factory in China that was able to manufacture these products for me and had a really good relationship with them. And over the course of the next 14 months, this product kind of consumed my life at, at nighttime. I converted my house into a, a mini warehouse, so to speak, and packages coming in, and my wife was going crazy because of the messes we were creating and, and, uh, and was able to excel to the point where within 14 months we were in L Magazine, Parenting Magazine, and we found ourselves on the show Shark Tank, on the ABC uh, reality show Shark Tank. And, you know, went on to the show really excited, like most entrepreneurs, about the opportunity of what you had in front of you. And what, you know, I, it, is many of you, and I encourage you, Google the episode, take a look at it, and, and you'll see I, I really found myself not that passionate about those obstacles I was facing, and they were hitting me with some hard questions, which is expected, and I was ready for it, but I lacked that passion behind what I was doing. And I literally that night in the hotel room said, I need to, what, what happened? Why did I not care of these attacks? Like, I didn't care. I didn't even get defensive at all. And what I realized is I'm so motivated by purpose-based business and not by opportunities. And I think that was the biggest thing I could have learned about myself is I need to be motivated by purpose. Purpose drives and, you know, exceptional results out of my life. When I'm passionate about the purpose of helping my kids do this, purpose about my religion, whatever it is, that's where I find I thrive. When it's just an opportunity or a moment or a project, it's really difficult to grab hold of that. And I realize there's probably a lot of people in the exact same situation. Uh, purpose-based business is such an important component to them. And I really wanted to do something that I was passionate about and helping people find work was something I was extremely passionate about and wanted to build a product that helped people do just that. And so that's kind of where localwork.com began, uh, really on the heels of, of a reality TV show and, and really recalibrating myself on how can I build something to help lives? How can we help people find the best job for them? And, uh, and there localwork.com was, was created. Well, and that's a it's a fascinating story. So I'm going to jump to a couple questions that I'm sure people listening may want to know. Is I'm assuming that you did not get a deal or you did not uh, accept a deal uh, on Shark Tank. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, All right. What and I didn't a- anticipate was the flood of phone calls afterwards. Uh, ah. it was amazing. Yeah, you had a lot of other people that wanted to invest and and, and go from there. That, that's amazing. So, but what I find most fascinating is that you had that clarity to be able to go back that night and kind of make up your mind. I mean, most people might decide they need to work harder. Or they might just have given up and said, "Go do something else." But for you, it was a clarity of, "I'm in the wrong business." I mean, the, this watch may be great, and this might be might make me a billion dollars if I do it right. But for you, it was, I really need to be focusing on something that I believe in that gives me that energy and passion that you know we talk about so very often uh, on this show or in other, other platforms from a leadership conferences or HR stuff. Not everyone can, can find that. You know, it's, it's hard to do. This is not an, it's easy to say, but it's hard to actually put it into practice. So 
How did you land on that local work was actually the place where your passion was? Well, I've reflected back on my life on, on, on key pivotal moments. And, and I came from a situation where I'd say our family, we definitely weren't, uh, let's just say our, our, our needs were covered, right, from a financial perspective. And I had, you know, a father that was willing to work nights and weekends and take side projects and do whatever it meant to find the right job for him. He was able to always find the right job. And I realized that families, and, and that's kind of really the key component here, is I'm very passionate about helping families. If you understand what the stresses do to families when financial security is not there, when you lack the foundation of employment or being happy at employment or not able to advance in your career because it's not the right fit and your skill sets aren't matching up, wow, that, that can just really rock relationships and really put things on on thin ice and what i want to do is say okay here's an opportunity to help families here's an opportunity to say if we can crack this nut a little bit we're not gonna, we're not going to solve everything we're not going to do it but we can come at it from a different perspective and say how do we help companies tell a story of transparency around company culture who they are what they do and why they do it now we might have something. We might have the ability to help to help job seekers land a better job for them, which results in uh, probably a better foundational family environment. Right, and 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 so as you're helping the families or that person specifically that you're you know, who wants a job, you're also helping companies and finding the right people and bringing in the right talent into their organizations. So is that a part of the, the value proposition or something you talk about as a differentiator and to being able to help companies build their culture in the best possible way? Yeah, no, I'll give you a great example. We have a brand we've been doing some really close um, work with over the past couple of years as we've been advancing our product and solution. And, you know, we knew that branding and telling their company culture was a really critical component to attracting the right talent. But little things like reducing the no-show rate by over 60% for interviews. I mean, most people don't think that that's really a big issue, but it is. There's so many people that will just blindly apply, they'll answer your phone call, like, yeah, I'll come to an interview next Thursday at 2 with no intent of going. What they found is when candidates engage first with the cultural experience, they become passionate about that brand. It becomes more tangible of an opportunity. So when given that opportunity to come in for an interview, now it resonates. Now I'm a little bit more excited to hear what's going on, and and I want to show up and give it my all. And then you go into what the onboarding life cycle looks like on 30, 90 days, six months into the job. They're more passionate about their job because they connected emotionally at the very, very beginning and that first obstacle that they might come up against doesn't lead them looking for a new position when they get home that night. It leads them to saying, I kind of anticipated this was going to happen. There, there's going to be some obstacles along the way, but I'm committed to making it work. Uh, a statistic that just scares me is the fact that 65% of millennials, they're already looking for their next job within six months of their first employment opportunity. I mean, that's crazy. They're... There, there's no where, where's the loyalty here and we if we can connect with them emotionally and get them bought into the why behind the business 
that it becomes a really emotional trigger to keeping them engaged in that position. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it kind of feeds into the next question. You wrote a, an ebook about how to attract the right talent, um, you know, for, for small businesses, medium sized businesses. This probably is a, a really uh, a good read, something they want to check out. But what was your advice on how to attract and retain that right talent and create an enjoyable work environment as well? Well, you got to paint the right picture. Um, we, we definitely can't be selling, you know, fraudulent job descriptions. If you really intend to hire a business development position and they're going to be making 50 calls a day, you need to make sure that might be clear in that job description and overview of the position. There's so many jobs out there that paint this, you know, this unicorn job opportunity and your lifestyle is so great and come and join and experience all the perks of the world and all the free pizza and hot wing Wednesdays. But they forget to talk about, you know, the key structure of what the candidate will be doing. That is so important to really give that clarity as to what responsibilities you will have. But the next level that I really harness to do Talk about the impact. By making those 50 phone calls, you allow X, Y, Z to occur, which is impacting Y, you know, on the on the backside of that role. And so uh, company culture means, you know, oh, my gosh, you've had so many guests talk about company culture, right? And it, it's a little bit different to everybody, and, and it's very elusive of a, of a phrase. And what we kind of look at it is, is we want to tell the story of who you are, what you do, and then most importantly is why you do it. What is the impact? What is your purpose uh, in business? And how does that impact the environment, your community, your peers? And we found that when you can tell, when you can tell that job description to resonate those three marks, now you're able to attract talent on a little bit different perspective. Yeah, I think it's a that's great advice um, and a good way to look at it. I mean, it's we do throw that word around very generically sometimes, and uh, w- without kind of specific direction or, or ideas of where we're at. Um, you know, and there's also a lot of um, it can be back and forth on that. And I know, you know, kind of looking at your business and trying to get the right talent. Sometimes it's the right approach. And one of the things that we've gotten some back and forth on with different guests is. You know how useful or how to actually use social media to talk about their brand, um, how to, to recruit from a mobile standpoint. Um, so maybe what is your take on on how to be effective? You know whether it's in social media or specifically in mobile recruiting as it relates to kind of these topics that we've you know kind of distilled down to this point. Well, mobile is such a critical component because guess what? We all have these smartphones in our pockets. It, the Internet's with us everywhere, and at any given moment, people could be looking for a job right from their smartphone. They've got to make sure mobile responsive is there. Your job description, your careers page, your job ads, they need to fit within that mobile framework and allow the ability for them to maybe email that opportunity back to themselves to go apply later on on their uh, computer or be able to be compatible to where they can upload from a Google Drive or Dropbox or one of these, you know, cloud storage components. But, I, you know, as, as far as integrating into social media, what I really look at is 
you really shouldn't count on Twitter driving you your next volume of candidates. But I will tell you that, you know, at an event recently with Michael Hennessy from Smashfly, candidates are engaging 12 to 15 points with your brand before they even apply. And so your 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 Twitter account, your Facebook profile, your social engagement, what that's doing is it's giving them enough data points to interpret if they want to work with your brand. So a lot of times you might be using Twitter just to put out, you know, now hiring, hashtag sales, you know, something very simple like that with a link to your job description. And that's great. Let's add to it a little bit more about telling the story of what a day in a life is as a sales rep is. Go and celebrate and take a picture of a sales rep, you know, on the phone, doing a demo call, being in a presentation, celebrating your sales team's birthday, you know, whatever the case is. But leveraging social media to kind of help tell a story really helps that potential candidate get satisfied with understanding deeper about the brand. We, we know they're going to be looking for you. Uh, they're going to be looking up reviews. They're going to be looking around. We've got to make sure that that's there to, to satisfy their appetite. Absolutely. It's more than just doing a hashtag. I mean, you got to go a bit deeper. And it sounds like the message you're kind of really advocating for is to really get into that next layer, kind of two or three levels down to better qualify people. I mean, it'd be better to get 10 really engaged people uh, looking at your job as opposed to 100 very unengaged and don't really understand anything. And to your point, having them not show up to interviews and to not really understand what they're getting into, which is not really, you know, it's pretty hard to have them try to understand that once they finally do show up or if they even take the job and they don't really know what they're in for, it can make a huge difference to kind of start telling that story early, even though that might be a little harder to do, maybe a little bit more effort on the front end. I think the, the back end certainly there. Um, you know, you've, you've also written about millennials and, and, and the need to create recruiting platforms that draw them in and provide them with the type of environment that suits their style. And it has been a big challenge for a lot of companies and something that's been a kind of a, a regular topic on this uh, on this program. Are there specific keys, in, in your opinion, to recruiting to millennials that create a, create a different environment or a different process than, than the other generations that we're looking at? Well, Chris, like you said, I, I, I've listened to your segments in the past, and the key word that keeps coming up is that, that phrase of transparency. And there's so much behind millennials really wanting to understand more to the overall picture. And they really, it comes down to that why. Like, why does your company exist? Why does this role impact your consumers as a business? And as a candidate, I like to see that transparency. I want to feel like, okay, I get it. I see the value of what I'm going to be delivering. You know, and Deloitte did a research recently with millennials trying to understand what do job seekers really look for? What were their biggest value components? The biggest ones were work-life balance and the ability to progress to be leaders. Now, how do you tell that story in the job description? And, and, and that can be a little bit challenging. And so I really encourage folks that are out there recruiting and hiring is how do we ask themselves this question is how do we become a little bit more transparent about our work-life balance and our ability to promote from within or to create leadership initiatives to allow our employees to grow with the company and, and really strengthen their skill sets. Uh, and their their strong suits. So, I'd say the word 
the word's really transparency, and that's where really where millennials thrive. And myself, you know, I, I, I'm a millennial here, and what's fun is I get to look at it from my lens and say, okay, what would I want to see? How can I help coach companies and brands tell their story how I would want to see it? And it's so fascinating to see the impact from going from just a standard job description with skills and responsibilities to saying, okay, now I'm going to create my recruiting platform with a funnel that first tells a story about who we are, give that transparent view of our history, why we do what we do, and then we talk about how those skills and responsibilities impact what's going on. And and that's just a, a critical element is how do we create a transparent marketing message? Well, and transparency is something that you know we think is super important. We see the the best of the best companies out there doing it really, really well. But it, it does tend to be something that's really hard to do, and that because it takes you got to be honest with yourself and your organization. And sometimes being transparent is not always pretty. Um, you know, there are maybe things about your company that you know people might be willing to live with, but it's not really what you want to lead with. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and uh, certainly when, but when people understand what the job really is, what the company is really about, what they really get to do and not do, and where the where the boundaries are, I mean, that helps them be able to see themselves in that role or not, right? To to, to advocate out if that's the right thing, and so it's really hard because companies don't always, you know, always being kind of honest with themselves, and then if even if they do understand, are they going to be honest with with that? Uh, with that applicant. I mean, it kind of almost reminds me of going on a first date. You know, you typically don't want on a first date to just tell them everything, right? You want to get a second date. But from an employment standpoint, you might want to tell them everything. You might want to be far more upfront to get them out of that cycle if they're not going to be the right person. So you can find that the right person, you know, to, to join your company sooner. Would you agree with that or, or not? Oh, 100%. And you, you think about your everyone's life and how they interact from choosing a restaurant where to go to. And guess what? We're going to jump on Yelp or we're going to look on Google reviews. And maybe I'm reading about a specific restaurant. And guess what? I'm kind of okay if there's a couple one to two stars in there that maybe talks about the service was a little bit slow. And as a consumer, I'm be like, you know what? That's probably okay. It means they're probably a little busy. But look at all these other 900 positive reviews along the way. So as don't don't get too you know preoccupied and you know frustrated about those one to two negative things about your business, but that helps tell a well-rounded story to your brand. And more importantly, is if it's not the right culture fit for that particular candidate, and they're discouraged by what they see, guess what? Probably better now than thirty days after they've started and they leave you hanging. So there, there's really pros and cons to it. I know. In the recruiting world, we're all trying to, you know, get candidates, candidates, candidates. But we want to make sure we're getting the right fit along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, one of our favorite questions to ask our guests is, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us? You know, I I just, uh, I'm wrapping up a book by Ben Horowitz. It's really, it's called The uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things. And it's, uh, I don't know if you've read it or heard of it yourself, but it's really from an entrepreneur's standpoint of really just those tough moments in your startup life. And, and it talks about, you know, there's going to be so many difficult stages of growing a business. 
And I think about that, that that's really an employee's life cycle as well. But more importantly, as he talks about, the best way to continually drive trust is to make those tough decisions and be honest and open about your communication. Employees are fragile. You don't want to leave them to interpret their own data. You want to be able to help give them the right information to make the right interpretation. Uh, anyway, it's a great book. If, if you haven't heard of it or, or read it, I wholeheartedly recommend it. Well, sounds like a great book. And as a reminder, everyone, we do do a blog recap of uh, of the show, and we will in a couple of weeks have this uh, kind of a, a written-out version of this. We put all the links to all the books and anything else that was mentioned that was important, as well as how to get a hold of everyone. Um, and that's my next question to you is how can people get a hold of you and learn more about uh, localwork.com? Yeah, no, feel free to, to jump on the website, localwork.com. Uh, you know, we have a lot of of educational content there to really help people. Maybe they're starting from scratch or they're trying to take their culture and and jump it up 10 degrees or whatnot. Feel free to jump on there and look at our employer toolbox. There's a lot of great resources in there. And then if they're looking for that true product uh, to really help them tell their story and manage candidates, that's found on localwork.io. And anyone that's, you know, reaches out on LinkedIn, I'm always help, you know, happy to to jump in a conversation and see if there's any feedback or input that I can give. Well, uh, Ryan, really appreciate you being on the show today and uh, sharing um, about your company and your kind of uh, journey to get there. It was a fascinating uh, story. That's why we love to have these conversations. It's always interesting to see how people kind of hop from different things in their lives and how they end up where they are today. So it was uh, really interesting to hear and appreciate being on the show. And hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update. Would love to, Chris. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. All right, no problem. So, uh, thank you again to both of my guests. Um, thank you for for listening. Don't forget to tune in to all the different parts of our show, uh, whether it's iHeart or uh, iTunes, uh, TalentTalkRadio.com. We will be off here. So, for the next few Tuesdays, I. Uh, going to be out of town speaking at an employee engagement conference and then i get to go on vacation so we will have some best of shows playing uh live as well as you can always uh, check us out on all those different areas uh but until then uh do what you love and show the world how uh, talented you can be today you've been listening to talent talk radio show brought to you by people g2 